0: <laughs> Hello, I- I'm Hood. It's
1: Robin Hood. Say <laughs> <laughs> good morning, you scum. Good morning, you're,
0: you're all, all robbers. No, the best, you the best, Mr. Hood. Jolly good. You're a robber, are you? Jolly good. Uh, uh, and do you enjoy robbing then? Well, it helps pay the rent, sir. Ah, 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 jolly good. Ah, ah, ah. And you're a robber too, are you? How long have you been a robber? Four foot one. Good Lord. Jolly good. Four foot one? Yes. Well, that is a long time, isn't it? Well, now,
1: I hear you've made a pretty good haul. Well, see for yourself, sir. I say!
2: Cracky! Oh, I mean, I've been in robbing for years, but... I've never seen
1: anything like this! Yeah. rums, And you, you acquired all this by yourselves? Well, it was a good day, Mr. Hood. Jolly good day! It's nice, isn't it? Isn't Rather! You? Well,
0: I mean, what can I say? Thank you, thank you, thank you all oh, very, very much indeed. <laughs> oh, don't make... What? Well, I mean, it's frightfully kind of you, the poor are going to be absolutely thrilled. Uh, have you met them at all? Who? The poor? The
2: poor? Oh, you must meet them. I just know you'll like them. Charming people. Of course, they haven't got two pennies to rub
1: together, but that's because they're poor. Look! <laughs> <laughs>
0: Travis Roy, coming to a speaker near you, right now. Oh, Hi everybody, welcome to the Cinema Night Podcast. What an intro that is. (laughs) Look at us, we're growing. Our production budget has expanded. We were able to make that happen. We have a fanfare. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, do you guys know uh, what that sounds from? It's uh, the old Warner
2: Brothers home video. Uh, Yes! I remember Pete's Big Adventure starting right after that.
0: (laughs) Very good, Eric. Yeah, you nailed it. Oh, that's good. You're definitely a movie buff. Yeah, so... uh, (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the Cinnamon iPod. That's Eric, and of course, that's Travis, and I'm Michael. And today's show is going to focus on Travis's choice. It's called Time Bandits. It's directed by Terry Gilliam, and that'll be the main course of our show. Does it hold up or not? We'll find out by the time this episode is through. You can email the show, cinnamonipod at protomail.com, five-star reviews on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and even Audible. If you use that, it's available to you. Travis Roy, it's uh, Wednesday. Is this our third show now on Wednesday? Are you feeling more comfortable about your Wednesday schedule? No, uh,
3: uh, we can never change the day again. My sense of timing and days is just completely fucked and has been. Somehow, every Wednesday so far, it's been both Wednesday and Thursday in my head simultaneously.
0: It's been very confusing. <laughs> That's awful. I know the feeling. Yeah, last week I was like, oh, wait. Yeah, it's Wednesday. Yeah. Eric, you have any trouble?
2: Dude, I finally don't have to watch the movie of the week on my lunch break. Uh, anymore, uh, school's out, man. So I am, uh, I'm, I'm right in some. I was fucking in my pool all day. Ooh. I'm getting my, I'm getting, I'm gonna try to lose some weight. So I'm drinking this Lacroix, which is like tastes like hairspray, but it's zero everything. So I'm, you know, feeling pretty good about this new <laughs> lifestyle change. Uh, I'm you, very uh, happy about Wednesday. Have you tried Cherry Coke Zero? No pop, no, no chemicals. Even no, if it's zero, no sodium oh. benzoate, no uh, nothing. Oh, okay. Just,
0: Water and coffee. That's good. No, I I don't want to dissuade you from that. That's a, a healthy
2: Love coke life Zero, choice. So. But no, LaCroix.
0: <laughs> I never I never like diet Aussie. coke ever. I've always hated diet sodas forever. I was like, I'm also well just drink the real soda. I mean, it can't be that much worse than the fucking chemicals in the say. diet stuff. So I just drank the regular soda. But somehow on this date, May June eighth, twenty twenty two, I drink coke. Zero. Cherry only. I don't like regular Coke Zero. It's the Cherry Coke Zeros. It's uh, shockingly accurate to the taste. It doesn't have that aspartame taste. I don't know what they did. It's probably going to kill me. I'm sure of it. But I'm enjoying it, guys. I am. I'm happy for you. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks Travis I really appreciate that Uh, Last week's episode we were talking about it Uh, We do apologize the audio was a little bit Of a frustrating situation there Brian Brian didn't want that either Brian was not worthy of that audio He Hmm. he felt bad about it too We don't know what happened But we hope you still enjoy the episode about young adults And Brian is a great guest And a good friend of ours for many many decades So uh, we'll have him on again And uh, we'll get it right We'll get that right next time. Uh, We got some future guests lined up. And before that ever happens, you could also be a member of our Patreon. That's right. We've got a Patreon, Travis. What's going on with this Patreon?
3: Uh, Well, we record some extra bonus stuff. We have these 10-minute topics that we do before. Just finish a doozy. We just finished a doozy. Uh, these oh topics can be anything from very light and frivolous to evidently heavy as a fucking rock and dropped on our head unexpectedly. So that was interesting. I'll leave it to Govier to surprise
0: me and Eric. I surprised myself. I had a couple different choices, and I didn't know which way I would go, and it just kind of came out of my mouth. And once we were recording, that's what happened. So, yay. Uh there'll be more of them, and we've already got three. Two are up, and we'll put up the one we just did, of course, uh, a little bit later on. And if you want to be a part of it, it's in the show notes. The description Mm -hmm. in the podcast, the Patreon link, it's all there. So if you want to support the show, you can give us, I mean, what's our cheapest? It's like a couple bucks. Three dollars, I think. Yeah. Negligible. A negligible amount. It's doable. But it's a wide range, right? There's also the super duper level where you can be a guest on the show.
3: We do. We have the there the, it runs the gamut from very cheap to very expensive. If it's very expensive, we'll let you be our friend for an hour and a half. <laughs> That's
0: Exactly right. For the That's price of much? a can of
3: Lacroix
2: and this will be <laughs> definitely better than this horse shit.
0: Oh man, you're really down on Lacroix. I know Steve would be pissed right now cuz Steve loves he himself. Loves he lives by it. I think Steve he LaCroix still swears is. by it to this day. It really does. Tastes like fucking Aussie. Tastes like Aussie Mega Hold. <laughs> I've never tried airspray, but it smell, I know the smell. I can smell that yeah. right now. takes Depends me back to the time. 90s. Some time I remember the
3: used airspray. Oh, air yeah,
0: what, what were those big cans of the 90s? They were Aerosol. mega. Aquanet. Big. Yeah, I was like, Aquanet. Aquanet. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what I was thinking Aquanet, of. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. That's a a good. Purple thing. that like a net on it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was a. It was just like a big can, too. It was like yeah. big. It was like
3: ozone breaker. Here, I got the ozone breaker. You
0: got to break through that fucker. There's still some left. <laughs> uh, I wanted to mention real quick uh because I got chastised at softball mm. on Sunday because i made a I made a derogatory comment about the upcoming release of Jurassic Park Dominion, and someone had a problem and
3: with that. The whole the whole How team. I
0: thought I talked to a guy earlier while we were playing in between games, and he said they had just bought tickets in real time because him and his wife play on this <laughs> team together. They bought movie tickets for Friday for Jurassic Park Dominion. I'm like, guys, why? Uh, Really? Like, dude, I love the original. But we all love the original. Mm. I mean, we're far removed from that now, my friend. Way far removed. There's been a lot of movies since then that sucked. And then, so when I left that night, I turned to say goodbye to everybody in the dugout. I was like, hey, uh, yeah, enjoy that piece of trash, Jurassic Park (laughs) Dominion. And like five (laughs) people turned around and be like, hey, that's my childhood you're talking about there. Really? Wow. They took it
3: personally. They really did. Are they producers? on you, though.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Was it crowdfunded? I guess I didn't know that. I'm I'm surprised.
2: Well, the reviews are awful. So I think you uh, came out the the winner there.
3: Oh, really? I feel like. I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. To be snobby for a minute, and I, you know, you guys know I'm a huge MCU fan, which some people turn their nose at. But I feel like that's there's sick. some people like that will be like, "Ooh, Fast and the Furious! Ooh, Avatar! Ooh, another Jurassic Park movie!" Because like they, because like movie going to the theater for some people is like uh, a ride. You know, like it, the story, the the movie itself, the, the that's not what gets them in the their, you know, their are in the seats. That's all about, like, this big spectacle. And it will be a guaranteed spectacle. So I, I do get that. I, I get it. It's just I'm not going to be on board for
0: it myself. Yeah, some people just got to go see Top Gun 2 in the theater, you know. Mm, got to. <laughs> it's required. It's an, it's an event. Me and Travis. Travis, have you still seen Top Gun 2 yet?
3: Uh, no. Okay. (laughs) No, no.
0: We haven't rushed to the theater, either one of us. Uh, We know Eric how he feels about it. But yeah, Jurassic, he also said, this gives you some context to this person's point of view when it comes to film. Because we also talked about the Doctor Strange movie, which you chastised, Travis. I did not care for it, no. And I told him, I I told this guy, like, yeah, my friend, he's a big MCU fan, but he didn't like this one at all. And the other guy's like, oh, man, I thought it was great. I'm like, oh, boy. Okay, well. I guess I've, you probably are that guy. You just want to go to the theater and have that experience. That's. I
3: mean, I lots of makes. people. Lots of people seem to like the new Doctor Strange. I, I am in the minority, but I did hate it. A lot. <laughs> Damn.
0: <laughs> well, uh, speaking of other things you may have hated, maybe it's not as many. Hopefully some good, enjoyable films. What did you watch? What's going on with your quarantine viewing picks?
3: Oh, shit, man. I watched one movie this week, and it was called Time Bandits. <laughs> oh, I did watch shit. a lot of television, though, because oh. it, it, it's been uh, a heavy dumping of television uh, going on. For instance, you know, the Amazon Prime just dropped f- new episodes of The Boys Season 3, which, oh, of course, man. I was
0: all over that. I heard about uh, a particular... instance i've never seen the show but i actually heard about it on a podcast the other day about a particular part of a new episode i have a feeling
3: i know which part you're talking about (laughs) uh i mean the show always shocks always uh uh makes you think it's so far the third season's off to a solid a solid beginning uh hacks season two finished that fucking that was really solid if you like the first season, you like the second season. Really good stuff. I finished watching Seinfeld, this TV show called Seinfeld from the 90s. Perhaps you've heard of it.
0: Seinfeld. Um,
3: well, I've actually got, I still have the, the last episode to watch, but other than that, I'm through all nine seasons. And my main takeaway from this season, Mike or uh, Eric, recently you, you posted a joke on a, a group that we're a part of. Uh, where you referenced the film Krippendorf's Tribe. And it's funny that you <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, funny it's that, that you did tribe. that. I had to laugh when I saw that because I'm like, I've been thinking about Krippendorf's tribe a lot lately. Cause like <laughs> I laugh my ass off through Seinfeld, of course, but every episode once or twice, I'm reminded, yes, this is the era that produced Krippendorf's tribe. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much my uh, review of Seinfeld. Still great. And also my other my other point is that like Holy shit. There's when I think of Seinfeld, there's like so many classic episodes that really stand out to me. And I was amazed at how many of those episodes that like come immediately to mind were uh, to mind were from the first and last seasons. Mm. Like, like there's a ton of classic episodes in both those seasons. And there's a lot of great stuff in between, too, of course. But that that last season's underrated. I think a lot of people think of the uh, the last episode and kind of like to excuse the first the last season. But there's so much good stuff there. Last but not least, you guys have seen that show. Seinfeld, familiar?
0: Yeah. 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 Krippendorf's Tribe. uh, Krippendorf's Tribe was a huge part (laughs) of my comedy in the late 90s. It was a very important part of me just saying Krippendorf's Tribe. Krippendorf, uh, just saying the word was funny in a way i guess well, maybe I mean, it the, wasn't but i like saying it so
3: it's very existence is hilarious but not for the reasons that the filmmakers intended <laughs> 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 last but not least uh all but the last couple episodes since they haven't dropped yet season four of stranger things hmm. i think this is the best season since season one i, I really really like season four i am a happy camper right now, um, loving wow. loving Stranger Things right now, and loving Kate Bush also, appropriately.
2: It's been fantastic. Uh, I guess these next two episodes are like massive, like two hours long. each. It's going to be fucking awesome.
3: Yeah, I'm excited. You've been watching it too,
2: right? I'm really glad they didn't drop the ball. I was a, a little worried, even though I like season three okay, but yeah. the, the gap had me a little bit worried, but I'm, I'm fucking pumped.
3: It's <laughs> really, really good yeah i they, uh they never keep bringing saw out uh, more that's and more a...
2: characters which worried me because I, I are they just gonna like like will's brother like i i don't even remember his name now and like, was such a big part of season one and he's
3: kind of tagging
2: along but for the for the most part yeah they're doing a fairly decent balance with everyone that's a massive cast
3: yeah i, I agree there's there's a little bit it's getting a little unwieldy. They even introduced a couple new people, and I'm like, okay, the, the, I like the people that you're introducing, mm-hmm. but like, we're not spending enough time with some of these people right. that you, you know, were from the first season as it is. So I, I do think that that's a you no. Know, it's not flawless, but I'm I'm really happy overall with it. I mean, it's, it's fucking great, solid entertainment.
0: Wow. Okay. Well, I I think I definitely saw season one for sure, and I don't I saw season two because that was the one with the weird beginning where Eleven's like in the city, right? That beginning of season that,
3: two. That wasn't the beginning. That was like that was like towards the end of that season. But yeah, that was the, the, season, the most that hated, was season two. Yeah, the Holly most box. hated episode of of Stranger Things.
0: Okay, but well then I saw season two, I, so I'm two down, and I got to catch up. I'll try to get. No, there, that's so. that's season three. Actually, that she leaves. Right? Oh, is it?
3: Yeah, yeah. That's oh well, the shit, that she leaves.
0: Maybe I'm much more caught yeah. up she, than she I thought. What the hell? Two yeah, was good. I don't even remember anymore. Where are we? What year? Season is
3: three. It? She leaves and she comes back and she gets. And she saves him at the mall when the uh, skin mm-hmm. flare or the mind flare is. He's shopping. He's like grocery shopping or something. He's like getting something at the mall. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I'm lost. I, I need to go back and like, dive in. That's yeah. why I had to go back and dive in. Yeah.
0: Okay. <laughs> I'll follow your lead. You're a wise man and you know about entertainment. Travis so. knows a thing or two about entertainment. He really sure. does. Eric Branson, what do you know about entertainment? You got something to recommend? You got something to shit on?
2: <laughs> a bit of both. <laughs> shit um, on me. Shit on Get me. Shit on me. <laughs> Definitely have to shit on uh, spe- spe- We made some Aquanet jokes uh, uh, When you come About back, Aquanet, yeah. Unnet And <laughs> The Net Because I tried to watch The Net which I've never yeah! seen Sandra Bullock, Dennis Miller uh, It's it horrible I turned it off, it's so bad it, It's so bad Erwin Winkler directs Is a competent screenplay Horrible, what? terrible
3: that was Erwin Winkler? Erwin Winkler.
2: There yeah, fantastic director. I, I, don't, I, what, I don't What is this movie? It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's hey, so hey, hey, what is going on here? So dumb. Had to shut it down, man. Um, and then Unnet. We have The Net, Unnet, and then Aquanet. Unnet is, I, for some reason, dude, when it's like midnight and you can't sleep and you're scrolling through two beef and you've been scrolling through two beef for like two hours and you're like, enough is enough, and you hit play. And you find yourself watching the made-for-TV Annette Funicello story biopic. <laughs> you, know, you know you're in a problematic situation, but I sat there and watched it. Um, yeah, I, I I watched it, and it's fucking bizarre. You've got Annette Funicello playing herself when she's old, and then you have like Frankie Avalon playing himself. A- interacting with like an 18 year old Annette Funicello like during like the beach blanket bingo days, it- <laughs> it's so fucked up. Uh, I-, I I can't explain myself. I sat there and watched sure. it. I uh, got nothing from it. And then when it was over, I questioned my entire life. Got the diary out. um <laughs> Lake Mungo. I I remember and I talk about it all the time. Like, oh, you got to see it, man. You got to do oh. It's not that good. Uh Yeah, I, I, over, I overestimated it all these years. It's standard. Um Norm McDonald, nothing special. You know, How he recorded that? this special just on his oh. computer to get all of his material out before. It was essentially before, you know, during the lockdown, and he didn't know what was going to happen to himself. And he put it out there. It's about 50 minutes of material with just no drops, no nothing, just him hitting record and just doing it on his screen it's fantastic uh yeah i mean he's essentially trying out material so you've got big laughs and then you just got like "Mm," you know that would probably get cut from a a regular special but you also have this really beautiful um retrospective on on the man in in like an after show conan o'brien dave chappelle um, Molly Shannon, David Spade, and Adam Sandler are all, in David Letterman All just talking about Norm for like an hour mm-hmm. Sharing intimate stories And talking about what made him so unique As a comedian, my favorite stand-up personally uh, re- Really recommend it, man uh, I really like the Netflix put this together It was, it was touching uh, So for all the naysayers out there Netflix was like getting shit on recently But with Stranger Things 4 This beautiful special um, Yeah, keep at it um, <laughs> getting even with Dad? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I turned I it on, it. dude. I, I wanted a I wanted a family film from the early '90s, and I, it took me forever to find one. I hit play, and I'm glad I did. Saul Rubinek, Gaylord Sartain, Dead Dancing, Matt Colkin. It's fun. I enjoyed the movie.
0: And you know, the that was early that early '90s produced Home Alone. Just saying, that was a pretty big family friendly yeah man you it seems like you were insinuating that it was hard to find one That's
2: well i you know i burned through i was like indian in the cupboard came up i watched that hated it and i'm like what, what oh, else we got here?" And i couldn't find that not
0: included yeah do you remember that preview on the ninja turtles vhs the indian yeah, in the cupboard preview I absolutely
2: yeah remember it i never
1: actually
0: <laughs> yep absolutely remember Indian really the cupboard it. and lightfoot's like
2: uh oh, bright light and then they're like this summer I'm, even then i was like who cares But yeah
3: <laughs> good book
0: <laughs> oh yeah plan. vastly superior book yes
2: there you have it man the all net right. and annette funicello and aquanet
3: and aquanet
0: uh, apparently get the net get the net uh all right thank you eric my name is michael sure. and i i watched uh man it's one of my favorite movies i got i wrote it down on my list of favorite movies uh but i wouldn't probably wouldn't bring it to the show although i would i might bring it to the show again but i'm going to talk about it so i forgot about it just one of the guys, 1985 <laughs> film about oh, yeah. a, a woman who yeah, goes right. undercover at a high school way before Never Been Kissed.
3: Dude, so. my Venus saw my penis and the damn thing <laughs> came between us. Isn't that, the, isn't that the same movie? Oh, wait, that was a different movie. That's a different movie. It was like the same movie but reverse, because there was a movie where a dude pretended he was a woman.
1: But oh. you you're just one of
3: the guys was a hmm. woman pretending she was a man. I apologize. I have no idea what hmm. movie I just quoted, but it was the same movie in like the
0: mirror universe. Oh, I believe it. Yeah. I'll tell you <laughs> what was that the big line that stands penis? out for me. Yeah. My Venus is your penis. Who is come a star?
3: Who is a star? Of- Joyce
0: Heiser, a gorgeous woman, by gorgeous. the way. A beautiful woman who never she is. She was she was beautiful. that's uh, what kind of ruins the movie a bit is like now watching it, you're like, I mean, come on. Yeah. I know she's cut her hair short, but she you know, she is a fully developed woman and uh <laughs> it's which is actually part of the plot. It's kind of funny too that the guy where do you get off having tits it's such a weird line that's the line and like the culmination of a serious moment in the movie and this movie is in the lineage of billy zabka he's the bully in this one so he's the main bully this is a year after karate kid Mm -hmm. and he's back doing his thing you got ari gross playing a super nerd and uh it's a it's a strange movie, but the movie line that stands out the most in this probably has to be all balls itch. As a brother <laughs> tries to teach his sister that yes, all balls itch. Okay. So it's a great I, it's uh, fun. Googled, it's still fun.
2: I Googled my Venus is your penis, or whatever my the Venus, hell you said, Travis. My, and my malware saw. is on fire. My Norton is like blowing up, so I might yeah. get <laughs> some pure, I wouldn't have, pure
3: <laughs> I pure anytime. That. My Venus saw my penis and the darn thing came
0: between us. Okay, <laughs> uh, I can't wait to find out what that's from uh, I uh, another movie I loved as a kid which is uh, uh, Christine I love Christine it's such God, a great God, movie yeah. Amazing. I watched this movie so many times growing up like I've, I could quote the whole thing from beginning to end and at the time I didn't realize that it was John Carpenter when I was a little kid because I didn't really know who he was yet but the fact that I loved Christine and I loved Big Trouble in Little China growing up like those were two huge influences on me as a kid just reminds me You know, you mentioned Carpenter as one of your favorite directors Mm -hmm. last week, Travis, on our segment about our top three favorite directors, and it reminds me of just how much I appreciate his work. Uh, Christine has really Mm -hmm. got some great practical effects efforts with the cars. The car, it still looks good. It does, because it's not CGI at all, Mm -hmm. and they had to, to, I thought that they had just played stuff in reverse, which they did do, but they actually had hydraulics Mm -hmm. that crumped crushed up the car Mm -hmm. and then they would play it back to make it go back to its form but it was real hydraulics on there so they really had mechanical shit I mean John Carpenter always goes the extra mile and Christine still has that look and (laughs) Plus, there's that old man who sells the car originally who's still really, really creepy. Uh, That guy always freaks me out. He's the same guy who plays the neighbor at Home Alone, the guy who's next door that thinks the murderer. Blossoms Roberts. Uh, Is that his name? Yeah.
3: Blossoms? It's not an easy name to remember, but,
0: well, good on you, Eric. He has this line about uh, a new car smells. About the finest smell in the world, next to <laughs> pussy, of course. <laughs> it's like, whoa! whoa. And I was okay. like the guy from
3: from the old yeah,
0: man Mike's home alone, like, wow, okay, all right, oh, old man. Now we just lost I two mean,
3: viewers on that one.
0: <laughs> yep, we did. Yep, we did. Whoopsie. That's funny. It's just a movie. I mean, if you've seen it, I mean, shit. So uh, then I watched Albert Brooks the Scout, nineteen ninety four. I've seen this movie again. I watched this movie like a hundred times. But it was shit on for the most part, and people didn't like it. It was a bomb for him. Him and Brendan Fraser plays this athlete that Albert Brooks is the scout, discovers him, and you know there's George Steinbrenner cameos from the Yankees. The Yankees are, I'm seeing it now, they're heavily involved in the making of this movie because the Yankees are everywhere, and they have a big game, a big showdown at Yankee Stadium. And uh, I enjoyed it, but it's like this dark edge to Steve Nebraska because he didn't have like a good childhood so it's supposed to be like this fun sports movie but it gets really serious so it's really strange now to see it in my current state as an adult but uh i I would if you never saw it i'd say check it out i always love albert brooks but it's not one of his best it's just not And uh, of course, you know, I watched a million Joe Blow movies or not movies, but, you know, Joe Blow videos because I'm out of control with that stuff. So Uh, I also watched Cinema, uh, Cinema Sins did uh, everything wrong with Pig, but even they admitted this is when I know it's a good movie, because when they do movies like that, they they do the Shawshank Redemption, like like there's no way in hell. I mean, we're going to send this movie, but it's a joke. It's comedy. So when they did Pig, even he admitted this. Like, yeah, there was so many things about it that are so impressive. It was one of the best movies of the year. I could tell that even they were impressed. So CinemaSins knows. Even though they make fun. You can always find things in movies that are funny. And I always appreciate what CinemaSins does. So good on you guys. You're good, fine people, wherever you live. I was going to call them Americans, but I don't know if they are.
3: CinemaSins has become the new bully or maybe. uh, um, (laughs) Paul Schrader? Paul Schrader for instance every episode you're talking about it but it's what you're watching every week I guess but again Joe Blow is what I've
0: been watching most recently that's definitely becoming Joe Blow yeah Joe Blow are you employed sir Uh, yeah I went back and watched the the uh, Snyder cut again too and uh, oh my god I just thought I wanted to take another look at it I've been really thinking a lot about Batman versus Superman and Everything that could have happened there, and also I uh, watched—I never saw it because I saw the first one in theater. The Amazing Spider-Man. I saw the first one in theater. I was like, "Oh, cool! Let's watch this in the theater." And I never saw the second one though, because I just lost interest, and I also had some other things going on. Uh, it's pretty bad, just like everyone said it was. Part two, <laughs> mm-hmm. you got Paul Giamatti. Mm-hmm. Like, they, there's so much shit crammed into the movie; it's insane. Mm-hmm. Like, doesn't make sense. Yeah. But then You're not, yeah. you're not wrong. Yeah. Well, you find out after the fact, or at least I found out after the fact, that they were really trying to set up too much, so they kind of screwed themselves by trying to cram all this shit to set up future movies that never got made because the movie sucked.
3: Yeah, <laughs> I Gotta give it that ending, though. That ending's pretty bold.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, I, you know, I, I don't know why people get so pissed about Garfield. A lot of people, I guess, didn't love him as Spider-Man, and he was more of like a... He wasn't, it seemed like less nerdy, I guess, some, a little bit more pretentious or something. I'm not sure what it was, but I always love Andrew Garfield and what he does, so I don't know. I can't, can't help myself. I enjoyed it, but I wouldn't recommend it. Definitely not recommending the film. So. Uh, so there you go. That's some stuff that I watch. That's some stuff that Travis watched. Yeah, this is something Eric watched. So if you like that stuff, you want to comment on it, you can email the show, cinema9pod at protonmail.com. And, of course, you can connect with us on all your preferred social media platforms. Yes, we whore it up for all social media. We're not, like, different than any of you. We live in this world, and we understand how things get done. So if you can't beat them, join them, right, guys? Right. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> uh, i don't see any new emails by the way it's been a minute i feel like uh we're on a cold streak there but uh we'll get there we'll get there i know we'll get, we'll back get there to someone
3: will email us and uh we also could use some reviews it's been a minute i think since anyone's reviewed us so if you could take a minute and just drop or even just you know click the stars you don't have to write
0: anything that would be cool thanks all you need is one finger to do that technically you could do it or a, a pointer you don't even need fingers this
2: is true. It's true. It is true. All right. Well, you do have to go on the net though, which can be dangerous, according to this Irwin yeah. Winkler the film.
0: They could take everything from you. They could. Yeah. In 1995, all of your information's on the net. All, your all of it. In 1995. <laughs>
2: yes. Yep. Yeah. Like an old people's yeah. horror movie.
0: My information is out.
3: <laughs> it's so terrible. But I, I don't know. No, kind of like. Hope people are yeah. terrified of their information getting out. They really are. I mean, you it, it did the net <laughs> did come out five years before people thought the world would end Tonight? because of computers, Y two K and whatnot. What's that, Mike?
0: Oh, uh, my brother wants me to go see Top Gun two right after this at nine o'clock. I'm like, sure. to, take him I, up I, on the offer. Well, I mean, I, I, I want to go, go see it. early. Leave early. I, <laughs> <laughs> I just, like, by the time we finish the show, and uh, yeah, I'll need a break. I won't be ready. So, but he's been wanting to go see it for a week because he's like everybody else. Amazing. Everybody wants to see Top Gun two. You got to no, see it. So. Not everybody not everybody okay well (laughs) i'll see it it. i'm kidding don't be cruel come on man speaking of that elvis will be out shortly uh all right let's get into travis's selection for this week it's called time bandits it's directed by terry gilliam and uh there's a bunch of people in this movie in fact there's a bunch of people in this movie who play multiple parts what what a surprise that is from these guys that's shocking right it's unusual to see uh, michael palin play multiple roles in a movie right (laughs) Co-writer <laughs> co-writer Michael Palin in this case Ah, uh, co-writer, that's right So this movie's from 1981 uh, Apparently Sean Connery's in this movie um, He is mm-hmm. You didn't yeah, catch that? I guess, yeah, barely, yeah, barely uh, I'll talk more about that later I know.
1: He found it Watch the way out He's never done that before Come on, you <laughs> I to give the order. Right, ready. One. Stop. <laughs> Stop. Never start on one. Who ever heard of anybody starting anything on one? What is it then? Two or three? Three. One, <laughs> two,
0: But uh, yeah, this is a movie that Travis chose. So Travis from 1981 time Bandits. do you remember seeing this in 1981 when you were one and a half or maybe? Two <laughs> well, <years? laughs>
3: I didn't see it in 1981. You know what? It, it's funny that you um, you labeled this on the YouTube thing Is it the the greatest movie you've never seen. But like for me, like it's something that I've seen a million times. I uh, my my mother started seeing this guy. I mentioned it before, like in like 1987 or 88, who used to like record everything for us. And you were talking about not recognizing that Christine was a John Carpenter movie. When you were a kid, I remember watching, um, 12 monkeys and being like who is this terry gilliam guy i got to see more of his <laughs> movies and i've been watching time bandits brazil and uh adventures of baron Munchausen like over and over and over again but i was just a little kid i didn't like read the director's name or care you know i just thought they were fun so um this was one that was never my favorite of the movies i just mentioned but i i repeatedly viewed it as a kid and uh as i said last week i had not seen it in such a long time seemed like a good one to bring onto the show. So, is it because Dan... Sorry, is it because Dan Plummer has your copy of it on VHS? <laughs> <laughs> not sure. A... Hey, Everyone, he, <laughs> he, has a, he has a better memory about that than me, <laughs> Dan. We yeah,
2: haven't dude. heard from you
0: in a while. If you're out there, Dan, we miss you. Yeah, it. So...
2: hit us up. I never seen the film. uh I'd always heard about it, but I mean, cool. I got a weird relationship with Terry Gilliam, dude. Like. I'd watch 12 Monkeys over and over again every single day in Fear of Loathing and The Fisher King. Um, but I, I... Oh, shit. I, I know, I know, I know. I didn't care for Brazil. I didn't like Baron Munchausen at all. So I, I didn't really think I would like this one. So I never really gave it a fair chance uh, until I saw it a couple times this week.
0: Hmm. I... I've often said that Fear and Loathing might be my favorite movie of all time. It's definitely in the top five, without a doubt. So, I mean, I I love Monty Python, too, so that takes me back. I grew up on that stuff. It was fun for me, but I never saw Time Bandits, and I've actually never seen Brazil. So there's a lot of his movies mm-hmm. I haven't seen. I've seen The Baron, but I, uh, it was a long, long time ago, and I remember being like, uh, I don't know what's happening. I don't care. But <laughs> maybe that'll come up. Maybe that'll come up on the show again. Who knows? Uh, so I never saw Time Bandits, and I didn't really know much about it at all so when i turned this movie on it was just a brand new world for mike govier <laughs> but i do know it's terry Gilliam. but i also know it's early terry i mean it's not early i guess in his directorial career it's somewhat early because yeah. monty python had been doing their thing so he was already you know i look at monty python movies now and i really feel like he was probably like the big driving force creatively on a lot of the movies i know john cleese john cleese is the actor that and Eric Idle, they get a lot of the credit as the actors, but I feel like the creativity comes from Terry Gilliam. It's pretty obvious to me now. And
3: Terry Jones, um, who also co-directed oh, yeah. a lot of that, that earlier stuff. But yeah, this was mm. the first time, like, Monty Python was over at this point, and Terry Gilliam was like, okay, I'm ready to branch out and do th- new things. And luckily, uh, George Harrison was like, hi, I like Monty Python. I will give you money to make this movie. So thank you, George <laughs> Harrison, for that one.
0: Oh, what a nice guy, George. And he's hey, like, rest so
3: in long power. as
2: I can put a song on the soundtrack. And I'll Gilliam's like, was like no, fuck that.
3: No. <laughs> That's where I
0: draw the line. Classic Gilliam. <laughs> um, so IMDb score. I don't know the score. I'm going to guess on it. I don't know either. I'm going to guess. I, I, don't um, know. I don't know. I'm going to guess respected but not
3: loved. I'll say 6.9. Yeah, respected but
2: A little bit forgotten by today's audiences. 6.8. I'll lower it a little bit.
0: This is really tough. I don't want to put my own self into it. I want to really get into the objective. What is the world saying about this film? (laughs) What have they said over the last 15 plus years? IMDb has been around for at least 15 years, right? Mm -hmm. Um. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say this is... uh, uh, I really agree with you guys. Though. I can't really disagree. I'll say 6.7. Yeah. Mm. I'm going to say 6.7. Okay. okay. Actual retail price, 6.9. All oh, right. I, ding, win. Ding, ding, ding. I win. I win the nothing. Job. You're the nothing. Every week, the nothing's coming up, too. It's getting out of control. <laughs> All right. So it's a 6.9 for time Bandits It's on IMDb.com. Let's see what our old pals have to say. And by the way, if you join our Patreon, you'll happen to notice that three of our levels are in tribute to Three critics that we always seem to discuss on this show every week. There's the Goody Coons level. There's the Roger Ebert level. And, of course, there's the Destin Thompson level, which is oh, yes. the most well-respected of them all. Mm. So, without a doubt. But as far as time bandits on Rotten Tomatoes, which came out in 1981, so, you know, Rotten Tomatoes and the people's reviews are going to be dated. So just remember that. Although maybe people went back and watched it for the first time in later years, and we'll get those. But it's a 90 from the critics, a 90. Wow. okay, That's it's incredible. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's a 77 from the crowd. So that's even above the IMDb score by quite a bit. So this is weird because I feel like this is a big disparity between what we got have, on the two different websites.
3: I have a theory. I think Ooh. that it has a lot to do with the fact that the Rotten Tomatoes, a lot of that, isn't that kind of like a Metacritic thing where it kind of where it kind of um, like aggregates all the scores together and stuff. And those reviews would have been coming out in 1981. My dog is eating my um, headphones as we speak. Don't eat my headphones. Sorry. Um, (laughs) Literally, she was trying to eat my headphones. Anyway, um, so it would make sense, right? IMDB is newer. So like more modern sensibilities of people reviewing it versus like the, the people when it came out where it would have been more dazzling, perhaps.
0: Interesting. Yeah, that's, that's a, a wise piece of advice here. I like what you're saying. Uh, how about we go to well, the New York Times? How about Vincent Canby of the New York Times? This is uh, apparently in August of 2004. All right. A cheerfully irreverent lark, part fairy tale, part science fiction, and part comedy.
3: Hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. is that wrong wildly, about a, wildly amused okay. uh, again more descriptive yeah, of plot okay. that actually
0: it's <clears throat> a Charlie Chaplin originally so hey guys sorry I'm just. we're looking at the IMDB picture of Michael Palin and he's got a Hitler stash as his profile oh. photo which is also the Charlie Chaplin mustache which is kind of weird because Charlie Chaplin you know that's that's complicated over there so so, so. Anyways, go ahead, Travis. So. I don't remember what I was saying. It's cool. <laughs> I don't remember where we are. Who are we? Uh, we were talking about the movie, and that's right, Roger Hitler. Ebert. Roger Ebert and Hitler did a <laughs> October 23rd, 2004. Roger Ebert said this. This was pre-jaw surgery. Amazingly well produced. <laughs> the historic locations are jammed with character and detail. This is the only live-action movie I've seen that literally looks like pages out of heavy metal magazine. Oh wow, heavy metal oh, reference. Okay. Mm, yeah. Kind of cool. So he was impressed and good. Yeah, that's cool.
3: Uh, I read the full review though. He he had some issues. Uh, I, don't remember, oh, I don't remember verbatim, but he, he did have some issues with it. Yeah.
0: Well, that's that little piece taken out. Yeah, that's synopsis. Uh how about uh Dan Jardine from Apollo Guide? I don't even know. <laughs> Dan Jardine. I, hey. I love okay. the Apollo Guide. I, <laughs> I no idea a regular I've been a subscriber for decades. The film's charm rapidly wanes as it becomes clear that we are bearing witness to a comedy with few jokes and an adventure movie without a sense of joy. Wow.
2: Yeah, I, it there's there, there's jokes even like when there doesn't need to be jokes at all. I could name several instances where there's just like visual gags going on that this guy must have missed. So, I don't know.
0: <sighs> Yeah, I mean, I kind of, I'm I'm kind of seeing what this guy's saying right here. There are, I mean, this movie is just an amalgamation of all types of shit, right? It's mm-hmm. got so mm-hmm. much, <laughs> so mm-hmm. many genres are jamming together as Terry Gilliam likes to do. He doesn't want to be stuck. I mean, it's always fantasy with him a lot. It's a fantastical right. film, but there is constant little jokes that, like, the napoleon thing that was unbearable for me i'm sorry it's like good god man this joke it. is not funny i'm sorry i love Ian Holm, and I, I i'm into this movie early on but that that was just like a it, the movie stopped for me there and i wanted it to move past that <laughs> i'm
3: with you that's that's for me that's the least good part of the whole movie
0: oh okay Is, is that whole
3: that's sequence so. and I, I think ian home was good casting there but yeah that's oh yeah
0: good. oh absolutely I, i'm with you there completely but so the jokiness uh You've seen this movie a lot, Travis. You had a nostalgic factor to it. Is this movie funny to you today?
3: I laughed at exactly one moment, which was in that scene, so it wasn't completely without v- value, but when they, they sing and dance, and then they turn to the stage manager and say, how was that? And he's putting his head in the noose. I, I got a <laughs> laugh out of that. <laughs> yeah, that,
0: that okay, so that was kind of funny. He originally had the revolver to his head before right. that. He's like, God, this is awful. I want this to end. That was a little, That was they funny. I agree. They
3: don't make those kinds of good suicide jokes anymore for yeah. good reason, but yeah. it still made me laugh. Yeah,
0: I mean... <laughs> We've all been in a situation we would just do anything to get out of. <laughs> I can understand that. But, yeah, so so Terry Gilliam has this movie here that is, is this a kids' movie, guys, or not? I thought
3: it was when I was a kid. So I'm going to say, yeah. I'm going to say, yeah, it's, it's
2: aimed towards kids. Definitely. Yeah, it's a classic early, like late 70s, early 80s PG kids movie that is not afraid to scare the shit out of kids <laughs> while also entertain adults.
3: Yeah, that sums it up. David Warner ready to wear some crazy outfit and be terrifying.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Uh, the is it the the times of legends? That's that world. Uh, yeah,
3: the time of legends, and he's in some sort of fortress, and he is evil. But yeah. evil is just technology, I guess. We'll get into that.
0: <laughs> okay, so yeah, so the movie starts with the. By the way. I never saw Jim Broadbent look so young. Wow. Right? What a Jim young... Your money or like... your life. I
3: think Brown <laughs> and <stumbled laughs> in Custard.
0: So, so this is... All right, that's <laughs> classic. Like, him. Monty Python yeah. would make those kind of jokes. Yeah. So I And that fits right in. But then it's like... Is that just like a quick side joke? Like, cause it seems like it's supposed to be part of a theme of the movie here. The, the money or life is a symbolization of this. People The people are talking about all the technology they have and how they were frustrated because it takes 15 seconds for their ice block to turn into a beef delight, <laughs> and their neighbors have one that does it in eight seconds. So that's how the movie kind of yeah. starts, while the kid right. is back there reading historical stuff about how warriors had 44 different ways to kill someone. And she's trying to set up this dichotomy there. But then it's like, is it come up again in the movie? Is this a theme of the movie, like uh, technology or the lack of uh, thought that continues to pervade modern culture? I'm not sure. I'm curious think, what you guys I, think. I,
3: I think both. Um, at one point, it's kind of muffled, but the kid, Kevin, asks the, the time bandits, like, why are you always after money? Like, this is this is amazing as it is. Like, we don't have to, like, like focus on money. This, what we're doing is already fantastic. And there's definitely this whole thing with modernity happening and there's like these these concerns about the future, I guess, from from Gilliam and Palin's perspective. Uh, like, look at the henchmen for evil. Like, they're all like wearing plastic and like draped in like tubes, and they're talking about like cathode rays. <laughs> like, everything is like very technological. So there's, I think that yeah, there's both money and this anxiety about the future and the technology. And then lastly, I'd like that they set up early that Kevin is a history buff. Cause there's this whole thing going on in the movie. Like, Oh, is this a dream or is this a child's fantasy or is this really happening? And um, we can get into like the, the, the clues that are dropped along the way as they come up. But uh, I think they, do, I think the movie is set up pretty well. Lastly, one more thing. There's this like distinctly British thing in kids movies in the eighties where like the parents were awful and you want them to be gone that seemed to happen a lot i don't know what the parenting system was like for like uh, in england at the time but it seems like a lot of uh, filmmakers hated their parents or just hated the concept <laughs> of parents um <laughs> uh, yeah i mean the, the the movie
2: is it's about a kid who's being neglected by his own family uh, in favor of consumerism and and technology. I mean, for me, the, it's pretty blatant symbolism here. I I see the movie all in the kid's imagination. So of course he thinks that bad things are going to come from technology because that's all of his parents. That's all that they're interested in. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, literally the villains are covered in plastic, just like their fucking furniture in their immaculate, shitty little suburban house. And that's what Mm -hmm. I like about all these elements in the movie, and especially the conflicts with how they're resolved, because they're kind of resolved like how a kid plays in his room. Very simply, it's very binary, good here, evil this, be bad, relish in evilness. Uh, it, it's just so imaginative, and I love the, the perspective it, 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 the narrative gives us.
3: I think you make some really great points there, but the bandits themselves aren't they kind of like neither good nor bad? They're in this. They they certainly to me seem to inhabit this gray area, and that they're good, but like they're like uh, tricksters, you know? They're 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 rapscallions. They're they're some. They're like this other category of uh, like neither good nor bad. Yeah, that's where it gets interesting. And now I, I can't remember where I read it, but I understand
2: Palin wrote maybe the story and then Gilliam wrote focused on the character work or, or vice versa. But there does seem to be kind of this maybe clunky amalgamation of, of just imaginative child storytelling and like religious undertones because the, the bandits are fallen angels who are trying to, you know, steal God's power in, in, you know, dethrone him or blah, 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 whatever. So that does, Not mixed that well with what Kevin's going through. In fact, he just kind of tags along, and you know doesn't really contribute that much to the story in the grand scheme of things. But I don't know. He's certainly the least
3: interesting person in the movie.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I gotta. I was obsessed with this one bit of IMDb trivia about the the whole Time Bandits representing the Monty Python (laughs) troupe, which I was like, oh, this is fun.
3: So that comes from some a British cultural historian and his interpretation of that. I don't know that that's necessarily what, I don't know that that's necessarily what Palin and uh, Gilliam intended, but I think that there's something to that. It's certainly interesting.
0: Yeah. It's just actually something I didn't think about till after I'd seen the movie. So it wasn't like I watched movies like, Oh yeah, that's what I think of right away. I just obviously read it after the fact, (laughs) but at the same time, the casting of this movie and the being someone who never saw it before, so he, Sean Connery's in this movie, but he's like barely in this movie. <laughs> I mean, he's so—I mean, he's a yeah. huge name and is at the top billing too. Sean no, Connery.
3: He no, he doesn't. Cleese has oh. top billing because it's alphabetical. This this movie. Has, oh, see, um, it's
0: changed on the page. That's why I'm thinking about how it looks on the uh, IMDb page.
3: Oh, yeah. IMDb probably just has the biggest names at the top. But um, this movie, I mean, like it rides on its cameos. A lot of people did favors like like Connery himself. Uh, so like there's a lot yeah. of people kind of like get like just showing up for a few days of work and leaving because right. it's really, you know, it's it's
0: our it's our bandits and, and, and Kevin that we're following. I was waiting for him to come back in the final showdown with the evil genius. I was like, oh, he's got to come back. He's got to come he back. He did come
3: but back as a, as a he, fireman. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but not as King Agamemnon.
3: No, no, he, he's the fireman that doesn't care that this kid just got orphaned right in front of him. He smiles at him after watching his parents blow up and drive out of here.
2: Yeah, they, they don't call a coroner. No investigation. Fires put out. We're out of here. Uh, okay. But yeah, man. It. Like I got to tell you, I mentioned earlier that I watched this twice this week. and I'll tell you why. Because Monday I watched it. Like I got up in the morning. Got my coffee, and I turned this on, and it the whole experience just kind of glossed over me, and I wasn't feeling anything at all. In fact, I was kind of annoyed by like the cloying giddiness of just everything. I, I found it really irritating. And then that night, I was feeling bad. I'm like, Christ, what the fuck am I going to talk about on the show? They're probably going <laughs> to love this. So I decided to watch it again today, and I really didn't want to because I... I kind of hated it when I first saw it. It was just so bizarre. My perspective completely changed on this second viewing, dude. And you know I'm Sounds a huge like flip-flopper. <laughs> but I don't know, man. Has it ever happened like where you, you just have to be in the right mood for a certain movie? Sure. Or else you would denounce yeah. it?
3: Yeah. No, there's definitely movies I know I've been unfair to. Because you, you go back and watch them in a the different mindset. And you're like, oh, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. was I on this?
0: Yeah. That's definitely something that happens to me too it's a thing i think it's a common kind of thing uh you premise get, of our show maybe <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a good point you know a cd i heard for the first time that made our song i was like eh, you know but then i got into it later and it just became a part of me it yeah. happens with lots of different types of uh, artistic creations and this movie i got pretty annoyed through a lot of it i admit that it, but it wasn't Usually I get really annoyed with kids in movies. Uh, actually, I didn't have a problem mm. with this kid. I mm. thought he was very passive in a lot of the parts of the film, and the actually felt bad it. for him. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, man. I. Okay, so mm. that horse and the knight come through and the horse in the closet for the first time mm-hmm. while Kevin's in bed you and he doesn't know desk. if it's a dream or not. Yeah. And yeah, I was like, okay, what the fuck is this? And then Dad's pissed because he heard something. So it's like it's really confusing because like it's. What is real? and What's not a dream? And I'm cool with that because dad heard shit upstairs and he was pissed about it. So he saw, he heard something and then the bandits come through the next time. And Kevin's been waiting and waiting. And, uh, the other hole set up there, by the way. And I guess we should probably talk about this is the, you know, so many wonderful things to look at in this film, even that room and the way they created the wall that gets pushed back into oblivion, into this open black hole. Awesome. It, and even the, the horse yeah. before that with the knight jumping over Kevin in the bed, it, I mean, mm-hmm. as far as I can tell, it's like, oh, wow, that looks Beautiful. pretty good.
3: Yeah, it's, and it's like running off into like the wilderness or whatever, and you can see yeah. that. Like most Gilliam movies, the real centerpiece here is the production design and, and how he uses it. Like, it's mm-hmm. dazzling.
0: Yeah, the glass corridor that, you know, awesome. traps them in that world mm-hmm. that they're stuck in. The ogre ship with Mona. Awesome. Mona. Dude, I mean, it, is Mona. it a Terry
3: Gilliam movie from the 80s if there isn't a three-masted ship in it? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know. I actually thought of that. And, I'm not, yeah, that's a great call. How, dude, how many <laughs> fog
2: machines were on these sets?
3: <laughs> Another oh. hardcore Gilliam trait. Remember that <laughs> short that he did at the start of Life of Brian, the, the Crimson uh, uh, Permanent Assurance? Yeah, um, that that that's also epic, but you know, more <laughs> more
0: pirate ships. I guess <laughs> yeah. that's a good call. Yeah, so so yes, but the bandits. <sighs> I was like, are, are we going to be stuck with these guys? I was actually <laughs> counting it down, wondering when I would no longer be with the bandits. And was hoping <laughs> it would not be the centerpiece of the film. And once yeah, they, it f- is called I'm time really, bandits. It is called time bandits. That's my that was my concern too. This but when Kevin too. separated from them after the wonderful Robin Hood exchange where the poor are punched in the face, mm. they're given money. <laughs> the, wealth is redistributed, but yes. they're punched in the face because that, og- that doofus, just had, that's what he does, and nobody knows why. So. It was funny. John Cleese says Robin Hood. John Cleese oh, gets you. to say he played Robin Hood in a movie. He does. So that's something I didn't know. But when he left the bandits after that scene and shows up with Connery killing the, the whatever that guy thing or was, yeah. the man or half beast. The Minotaur... Oh, it was a minotaur. Oh, yeah. Right, min- I mean,
3: he's not Theseus, but it's clearly a minotaur, which I love the minotaur because it's just like some buff dude with like a yeah. decomposing mm-hmm. uh, bull's head on his own. Like, oh, this person thought he was wearing it like a berserker, <laughs> deranged yeah, berserker right. type, which and it got twisted into this minotaur myth, which is cool, I thought.
0: OK, well, that makes sense. But my bottom uh, line is once that separation happened and I thought the time bandits would be away from the film, I was like, okay, so where are we going now? And I was kind of excited about it. I gotta say, uh, they're annoying on purpose, probably uh, yeah, because they, yeah. you already described the Rascals. characters that they are in a way. But I really found myself being annoyed by them. I really did.
2: Oh man, dude, but yeah, that first viewing, it, they were intolerable for me, mostly because like I think David Rappaport's a was a pretty fine actor. I, I he's pretty good as Randall. Dude, the I love the dude wizard. Still, God bless Republic. like Kenny Baker and Jack Purvis and Mike Edmonds, but they're just such bad actors. Like there's so much mugging and just like there's so much fucking mugging that they do get irritating.
3: <laughs> I actually think that Jack Purvis is the best actor out of all of them. Myself, mm. uh, I, I think that I I like David Rappaport. I loved the Wizard when I was a kid. Um, uh, I, I actually think he's not that strong in this. I don't, I don't mm. know. He's kind of the lead in some ways, and I don't, I don't think that he's quite up for it frankly i i i think jack Purvis, what his reaction when um uh, when kenny baker's character fidget dies mm. and i think that he's a lot better at um having a range of emotions um, yeah. that that said yeah there is um there are moments where it's like oh they're they're bumping into each other again but my favorite yeah. thing about them kind of constantly bumping into each other is like i'm watching the movie and over and over again i'm like there's only five of them wait now there's six again wait where's vermin Now there's <laughs> five of them again no no vermin again
0: yeah, that joke again. sucked too the vermin <laughs> eats things that i didn't think that was uh, funny at all they pushed that on me i think well, they need I mean, to
3: have vermin Jesus. do something because he didn't do much else
0: <laughs> so i mean it's really
2: if not the first film where you have a, a cast composed primarily of little people and you got to give it up for that um but one part of me, on especially on this first viewing, does see this as kind of, like, I'm sure, like, uh, fucking um, Dinklage is, would throw a fit about this, knowing, you know, how he fucking hates the seven doors and all this shit. They do just seem, like, exploited as silly, you know, creatures to laugh at. You can almost picture Gillian little, just chuckling, chuckling behind the camera, like,
3: oh, they're bumping into each other. Look how they right. run. It does right. get a
2: little cloying
3: napoleon and his i like little things hitting each other you're right there is probably Mm. an exploitive element here Mm. although i will you know they maybe enjoyed not having to be like covered in metal or like makeup (laughs) Uh, like jack Purvis was in every star wars movie and every time you never saw his face because he was covered in shit so he, you know at the very least they got to like be themselves and actually mm-hmm. act as opposed to just being reliant on their stature and the fact that they could fit in some costume.
0: Yeah, I think that's the conundrum of it all. It's like, mm. I'm really grateful for this opportunity. I don't give a fuck what anybody else thinks about it because right it's better than what <laughs> I've had before, which says yeah. a lot about it all the entire thing there. Sure. Um, but uh, but I, I just to Tried to put myself as a first time viewer and be patient. I was once they were separated, I was like, Okay, all right, you know, you mm. gotta calm down. We're it's, uh, we got Sean Connery's. <laughs> Sean Connery, I liked how uh easygoing he was in this role. Yeah. He, was, he was like, He was just Warm. having a nice time. It, I have a, some reason my final memory as a, as a human being of Sean Connery, he's kind of like an angry, bitter guy for some reason. I'm not sure where I, I grabbed know. that from. I think Sean so was okay. Yeah, maybe that came on later in life. But um, in this one, he's fun, and he doesn't take himself too so seriously. In fact that he's in the mm. movie, and it's a limited role, I was really, really pleased with that whole effort. But he's at the same time...
2: I mean, if, if this is indeed... I beg pardon, but if this is indeed Kevin's imagination, his hero is Agamemnon, as stated earlier in the film. So to have him as this warm, fatherly character that's teaching him something... It's not technology once again, but it's just imaginative magic. Is yeah. is kind of beautiful.
3: But it's also hilarious that this history buff would choose Agamemnon to be like the perfect father, since Ag- Agamemnon killed his own daughter. That's gonna, <laughs> I,
0: <was gonna> <laughs> I think that maybe there's a message maybe in there per- intentionally know. about history textbooks and how history's taught too. So I don't I mean, know that for sure, but I wouldn't well, pass is- Gilliam.
3: Odysseus and clearly him. a better father. At least he was gone for a while and not bothering Telemachus. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's better than better to neglect than kill outright. I would agree I with that. Though, yeah, yeah. Don't if need we you have your to... children Yeah.
2: Uh, mm. Seeing like especially the Myc- Mycenaean Greece, uh, I these sets and these costumes like are above and beyond. Like yeah. some of this stuff is shown for just like half a second, and <laughs> everything looks fucking
3: authentic and and really awesome except for the fortress uh the fortress on the legend of whatever It's like oh that's a really impressive miniature <laughs> when was it, like ah, okay but you're right there is i mean a lot of what you're seeing here like um like the the french battles for instance yeah. like they're on the water and like you just mm-hmm. see like this 12 seconds maybe mm-hmm. and you're like this looks amazing. This is <laughs> yeah. this looks like fucking apocalypse now.
0: Right, right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yep, I definitely had that feeling as a first-time viewer, and I was like, "This man, Terry Gilliam gets the most out of yeah. it." Yeah, he tightens up a shot if he has to, but he still creates a world where I'm believing that that's what's happening in that realm at that time, no matter what scenery yes. they jumped around to. The Titanic, even, which was. Clearly, just like one set that they could put on an axis when it went down. But even once they got into the water, I was like, shit, that looks good. Like, I know it's not the Atlantic Ocean, but the water's choppy and it looks large and vast and it looks chaotic too. And I felt weird for this kid. This is a kid actor, but he's still a kid. And he's like struggling in these waters with these adults, which was, I was like, wow, these parents really let this Terry Gilliam go to town with this kid.
2: Yeah. And I, you know, I hate to compare, but I'm going to anyway, like Gilliam back in the day, like he's relying on, yeah, there's some matte paintings and miniatures, but what uh, strikes me is like the uh, the place of like eternal evil or unknown, whatever, whatever it is, like he knows it's not going to look amazing. So he makes these interesting decisions to minimize the sets by just having this complete pitch black darkness and these abysses Mm -hmm. which makes it more imaginative like you're filling in the blanks whereas now he relies heavily on the computer and everything just looks like a fucking xbox game
3: but those limitations are, are where his strengths came out which is i think a mark of a really good director uh, personally, and I also really like with the fortress that you see that it's clearly constructed of Lego pieces. Again, yes. that that idea of this being a child's fantasy, like like in how we would play on the like sitting awesome. on the floor, but also it's in keeping with the whole modernity theme because it's just all plastic. Mm-hmm.
0: That's right. That's right. Okay. Good call. Good call on that. Uh, the ship looks great, even though I said, you know, he's got to have a ship in every movie. That looks looked cool. outstanding. And then the dudes who wears the ship and the way he shoots it. I know he's oh using camera God. tricks, but awesome. it's still. I was like, this is awesome. This giant, giant man. And the sound effects <laughs> on, really dude. kick in with each step. And he's really? wearing a ship on his head, and it probably drags on a bit longer than I wanted it to, but it's still. It was impressive. I was like, this looks good, man. This is 41 years old. This is cool. So different. It's
2: so unique. It's so different. It feels so imaginative. It's the, the, it's, it's the shutter speed, the slow-mo. He's shooting everything at these low angles in this childlike yeah. perspective of everything. Yeah. So you're looking up at everything like like a child. It's It's awesome.
3: Yeah, it's he's clearly like getting out and and flexing his wings as a as a director for the first time the, with the stuff that he had done previously the the Monty Python stuff and even Jabberwocky. Um you know this stuff was he was kind of beholden to other create creative minds that he was mm-hmm. working with. And and Palin, you know, Palin still was involved here, of course, both acting and writing, but you get the sense that he's really doing his own thing here. And and, and that was partly you know, that was how Monty Python worked. Like everybody kind of for being a, a troupe, they kind of worked independently, especially him since he was the animator. Mm-hmm. But you you I think I feel I feel like this is like he's really unfettered here and showing and learning for himself what he can do. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Yeah, that, I, look, Terry Gilliam's directorial chops—I don't think they're in question here already with this film. That's not—that wouldn't be one of the reasons why I, <clears throat> I would vote on this movie. Maybe not holding up or not. Uh, you know, I got bummed out by the time Bennetts, and I also was kind of like, "Oh, great, Michael Palin and Shelly Duvall are playing two quick, <laughs> what? repetitive characters in back. different historical he, times," he, which happens. He's got a, lot. a
3: problem. He's got a problem. The problem's back. He needs some fruit.
0: <laughs> what is that problem? I don't yeah, know. yeah I was trying, it's yeah. not clear at all, right?
3: That's funny. <laughs> that I think it's funny. funny. <laughs> we don't know what his problem is. It, it, it relates perhaps to his member. It's solved with <laughs> fruit. U D Bosley has to wear some bizarre thing once in a while. <laughs> this
1: so
2: is like, like, funny. Wh- what are these people? Because they they're supposed to be the same people. They're popping up in
3: these different era. Is this like a reincarnation? Re- I mean, they 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 they're, they're hundreds no, of just, years just, apart from one another. Yeah, so it's I
0: mean. just. It's different times and eras, so they're like, hey, fuck it. Let's just have them jump in here. And it's fun to let them do different roles. And it's fun when your dog grabs a squeak toy. Yeah, the clown a is show. Hey, no squeak toys. <laughs> Non-squeak toys. We're doing a show here. Uh, come here. Take it away.
2: I can't move. Weird. To- this is kind of a bizarre confession, but is it weird that I've always thought Shelley Duvall is kind of
3: cute? I mean, what makes that a, 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 a what makes that a bizarre confession? You're well, isn't to like she's supposed involved. to be like supposed like to nothing? World You're world not world. Stanley Kubrick; you don't have to view her through any specific lens. <laughs> all right, yeah. if you I'm think not, she's I'm attractive? Sure. If you think she's attractive? Right? Sure. Do I have if, to? Uh, she's clearly a fine-looking woman in 1981 in the t- Time Bandits.
0: <laughs> I don't even care about that. I just yeah, I all I think either. about her is in. Olive Oil and Popeye, and I think about The Shining, and that's it. And Good for her. And I feel like her life didn't go the way it should have. She got kind of screwed in some of the yeah, ventures yeah. she had, which is unfortunate. But, you know, I want to give a lot of credit to my main man, who hmm. I don't get to see him in enough movies. And every time he shows up in a movie, though, I'm like, you know what? I love you. You are so undervalued. You're so damn funny. And then David Warner... Is always getting the most out of a lot of the Fantastic. parts he does. You know, I first remember seeing him in <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, Secret yeah, of the Ooze. <laughs> Fuck yeah. And I was, was like, but then when I, I watched movies, as I got older, I was like, oh, he's there he is. He's all over the place. And he, <laughs> yeah. he's a constant force, and he's great as the evil genius. <laughs> they have that whole exchange when it, it's so Monty Python, by the way, when he blows up his two minions who question him <laughs> early on. And the first time yeah. we get to see them it was it so reminded me of the holy grail where there's so much questioning of power and authority at all times right. it, it made oh, me laugh man. though it was really funny
3: the coolest
2: part <laughs> is and i i timed it the second time i watched it he doesn't pop in for like until like um christ i wrote it down like Almost an hour in, and we're talking about the main villain here. They 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 really uh, are taking their time on him, and yeah, when when they introduce him, it's perfect. His own minions are like begging him to kill them so they could see how powerful he is.
0: That's (laughs) how unorthodox the movie is, though. Like it doesn't follow your mainstream routines of we got to introduce people at this amount of time, we got to get the Mm -hmm. first second act, blah blah blah. It does. It's just unorthodox yeah
3: and that was supposed to be jonathan price playing uh evil and i'm glad that he got busy with other stuff he did he does pop in did you guys see jonathan price pop in for for two seconds he had a little mm. cameo in there i'm pretty sure it was him i didn't see him in the cast but i'm 90 sure that um when uh kevin first shows up in uh italy where uh napoleon is taking over and like he talks to some guy uh, and he's like oh you're going the, before they tell him he's going the wrong way he's explaining what's going on i'm pretty sure that was Jonathan mm-hmm. Price right there oh
0: okay well, uh, lore master said he rented this from blockbuster <laughs> worst movie ever right. okay. oh, yeah. Loremaster hasn't lore master hasn't seen the pest
3: with john Leguizamo, apparently
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> you also haven't seen uh, a couple of larry clark movies maybe <laughs> uh okay
2: Gummo lore
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, where else uh, what else we need to talk about here guys? What uh, I mean we're covering a lot of ground already. What make exactly sure is the
2: promised. what your money or your life? Like what
3: is this show? Like what did they kill you or yes, give yeah. you money? Yes. yes. I mean we clearly see a man Jesus. drowned to death in,
0: in a <laughs> Yeah and you hear the father make like a backhanded compliment. like man I would have took the money. <laughs> <because> <laughs> <dad's> kill,
3: him. <laughs> kill him in custard. That was funny. That made me laugh. Uh all that really matters <laughs> is getting the best kitchen possible. That's, that's all that really matters to these people, mm-hmm. which is funny. Nope. Dude, you dog the bandits, but, like,
2: I I, I love the bandits the, the second time I saw this. The thing about them that I like the most is, like, they're so good at teamwork. Like everyone knows their role, and like they all kind of know how to accomplish a, a task. You don't have these drawn out scenes where like every one of them has to be so different. They're just kind of like a good team. Mm-hmm. Like when they're when they're when they're stuck in those cages, man. Like it, it's so fucking awesome. Like that whole sequence is, is amazing. And then Wally's like, "Watch this," because he wants to like he's proud <laughs> of like how awesome he can he can do this. It, it's it's yeah.
3: super fun for me. Hmm. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I, I I agree. I, I mean, and shout out to Mike Emmons who played Og, uh, the only one of the bandits who's who's still alive. Uh, the rest Jabba. of them have have, have passed uh, have passed on. He played Jabba. Yeah, Mike Emmons did. That's, well, that's Jabba's pale. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, tail. Um, <laughs> but uh, some of them had some pretty bad ends, unfortunately. Jack Purvis, I think, I feel pretty bad for uh, quadriplegic towards the, towards the end there. Mm. But once once Jack Purvis passed, um, and by that point, uh, Tiny Ross, who played Vermin, and yeah. uh, uh, David Rappaport, who played Randall, had already had already both passed. But there was a, a script for a sequel to this movie that got scrapped, which I'm kind of glad about, but also supposedly there might be like an Apple plus movie or TV show yeah. in the works, which uh like trying to like on one hand to revisit this would be cool. But on the other hand, like I just, however you, you guys feel about the bandits for me, uh, like there's no, I mean, you could maybe do this with one or two, maybe missing, but like if none of the original cast is coming back, I just, it just feels like, so what are you going to do here? You're going to, you're gonna just get a whole bunch of different people? I don't know. It just seems like it would lose its luster.
0: For well me. I want to give credit too to uh, Peter Vaughn. Peter Vaughn was Maester Eamon on Game of Thrones, which is like his final role. A lot of people who are younger would be like, Oh, I'm, that's how I know him. But he was a longtime hardworking actor and he plays the ogre in this movie who has back problems he's got real back issues here and he's going to be helped out by the bandits and kevin who really save the day until they screw him over and throw him in the water but he's never been happier as an ogre he's and thrilled. those teeth i mean that's so funny to think that maester amen is in those teeth in that outfit uh, because I just cannot see him at all. I found that out after the fact when I looked up the film.
3: <laughs> and that's another thing about the to, to like, even though we see the polaroids at the end of the movie, and we were shown, hey, it's all, it all really happened. But at the same time, right. it's still we're pretty convinced it was. It was all fantasy because, I mean, a kid like he goes to see Robin Hood, like Robin Hood, and that's not exactly a historically accurate figure. Um, I mean, <laughs> there, there are some that say that he existed, but huh, there's no it's real like evidence, Jesus, man. That's it. no, real. <laughs> there's more evidence for Jesus than Robin Hood, I think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure, honestly, but 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 he's like he's gonna go see Robin Hood. He's gonna go uh, to some sort of fantasy land and see ogres and giants. Like mm. to him, that's all one and the same. Uh, you know, it's all if it's in the past, it might as well be a giant. And and that that is, I mean, this is something that I think is, and I say this as a connoisseur of kids' movies, but obviously not a kid. Something that I think is missing from a lot of especially live action films these days is um stakes, threat, danger, mm. uh, weirdness, absurdity, uh, unfairness, like all of these things that uh are thrown into this movie as just part of life and part of the adventure. And you. I, I feel like uh, movies that are geared towards kids these days are, are so sanitized that you're not going to be given this kind of bewildering um, uh, nonsense that you have to yourself kind of unpack and make sense of, which is too bad.
2: Yeah. Uh, in mm. fear. Like, like mm-hmm. I was talking about Flight of the Navigator a few months ago. I'm like, this situation is terrifying. If you're a kid, uh, uh, like if they remake this nowadays, there's no fucking way the parents are going <laughs> to explode at the end. It's all going to be tied up, and they're going to throw their toaster away and give Kevin a yeah. hug. Like it's it, it, it's right. just, it's it's it, it's so of its time, man. And mm-hmm. and a lot of people did, you know, take a little umbrage. It's a very kind of draw ending, but people did take umbrage with this ending. But that that's kind of like how kids like I teach third grade and like every time I I do a creative writing exercise, it'll end with like and then they all died or like and then they were all murdered by Pennywise. Like that's (laughs) something that a kid would do like he punish anybody, even your parents like and then I blew up my parents because like, you know, I want to be free and liberated. It's just Mm -hmm. that in itself is childlike and we shouldn't be afraid to go to those places, scare kids, be imaginative and just revel in, in fantasy.
3: Hmm. Good points. Yeah. I also really like that the parents don't touch the evil until he tells them not to. And then they both at the same time, are like, Thank Oh, you. they probably wouldn't have touched it. If you had to send And then they both do blow up.
0: That's a good call. Yeah. Yeah. There's no stakes in kids movies. There's not, in fact, it's hard to get stakes in like full on adult movies. It not something that happens enough. And it's usually my biggest complaint, or at least in the top three, along with dreams and a couple others, uh, character motivations. But, uh, <laughs> In mainstream film, it's just... We can't have too much of a risk. We just want people to show up make sure we get the money because it's a commercial venture. And unfortunately, wow. commercial ventures always win with studios. But that's why this movie gets to be unique because it gets to do whatever the fuck it wanted to, however it wanted to, because it had no one to be beholden to. And even if they did have to be beholden t- to George Harrison and his partner, they didn't give a fuck anyways. <laughs> <laughs> they
3: sure didn't. Uh, I,
2: I'm imagining an alternate universe where Terry Gilliam Actually? Actually? Harry Gilliam, I'll come back. Harry <laughs> Gilliam did actually get to direct uh the first Harry Potter, which was not was heavily heavily discussed before they went with Chris Columbus. That's a big just
0: spectrum change there. <laughs> just, just Columbus, Columbus think of- Terry Gilliam. Yeah,
2: right? well, it's hilarious because, like, Gilliam, like, publicly just, like, trashed Columbus's version, called it pedestrian as fuck and boring and tepid. And all the things yeah. we're saying are missing from kids' movies. Like, imagine this is, like, pretty much prime Terry Gilliam in 2001 before, like, Brothers Grimm and all that trash. Mm-hmm. Like, what he would do with this story. Yeah, Or at least visually. I'm sure Rowling would, wouldn't let him fuck with the script too much, but just like I imagine the world would look so much more rich and imaginative than just this paint-by-number pointed
3: you know, camera it's- at this shit it's funny that you say that cause we had talked about this recently when we talked about how he was almost tapped to do uh, who framed Roger rabbit. Yeah. And there's an alternate universe where he did who framed Roger Roger rabbit and where he did the Harry Potter movie. And like, he has gone on to like become a more mainstream director. He does MCU movies and stuff like that because like he probably would have been, you know, lined up to do, to do franchise work and that kind of stuff. But instead he like went down the, a, a different route of, of, I mean, he like self-produces a lot uh, these days. I think even right. like his, his, and his stuff doesn't get nearly the release that it used to. Now, I don't know that the quality of work that he's putting out at this point is as good as he used to do, but I do think that uh, given um, something that we've talked about on the show before, that a lot of directors, you know, they have like maybe four or five in them. I feel like this guy had a longer streak than most directors of really quality work, starting with this one for me. Well, no, I'm sorry, starting. I mean. As far as being on his own. Cause Terry Jones yeah. helped him with the money Python stuff.
0: Yeah. I would, you know, Steven Spielberg sucked a ton out of his own career. I think Gilliam would have just as much ability to do so. I would agree with that. I really do. And that's, uh, that's kind surprised. of a bummer.
2: Yeah. i surprised he only made 13 films when I looked at his IMDb. Um, some of them are much better than others, but like, it's just, it's kind of a solid legacy. Uh, in the long run, he—I know—he directs a lot of opera these days. And oh, really? Fuck! If I—can you imagine? He did Faust. Can you imagine oh, seeing Faust oh. uh, directed by Terry, Terry Gilliam in a fucking opera house? That'd be cool. Yeah, that would be he, cool. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yep. Well, well, all right. About that well, time. I'll go first since I was the first or the only one to have seen this. I hate when I uh, choose a movie that neither of you have seen before, but I guess it happens from time to time. Yeah. Uh, So again, like um, I'm going to reiterate basically what I said at the top. I grew up with this movie. It goes so far back into my memory that I hardly remember. I I just know that I had a copy in the house and we watched the shit out of it. Uh, And then I set it down for a long time. And while this will never be something, you know, it's not the labyrinth to me it's not like the the, the whole the whole eternity of of grew up with yeah or never any story which we should talk about more often i guess um mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah it holds up for me it's 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 a it's a erratic fever dream that only needs to be revisited maybe every 10 or 20 years it's not something that you need to watch over and over again i don't think it as you get older but if you want to just kind of stone out and watch something bizarre and very 80s in English, uh, you could do much worse than Time Bandits. Yeah, Time Bandits.
0: Time Bandits. Time Bandits. My love is in a uh, Time Bandit. Me or you, Eric, who goes next? Uh, go for it. Okay. Well, you know, I've got pretty annoyed by the bandits. And apparently, <laughs> uh, Mr. Rappaport here. Don't call me Rappaport. In fact, none I'm of the other Rappaport. bandits wanted to be called Rappaport because I guess he was kind of, he took his role a little too seriously. He was kind of a dick as the leader of the bandits. <laughs> yeah, so much hear. so that we we were feeling bad for the little people and how they've been exploited, which they definitely have mm-hmm. in film history. But I think uh, Rappaport was taking it up a notch on this one, like <laughs> demanding close-ups and shit. And I, and I noticed those close-ups, especially on the Titanic scene. Yeah. I was like, wow, we are in a Rappaport's face right now, big time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> good for you. And so can't bum me out, but, but yeah, there's a but. It's like this is a movie that is so radical that it just still jives with so much of what I would believe and what I do believe in and what I appreciate about film and things that don't happen as much and so much crap that gets dumped out of the studio mm-hmm. world. This is a, I guess I kind of wish I was like Eric and I got to see it again. I, I, I'll, I'll go back and watch a second viewing because now that I've absorbed it, for the first time, it does overload you as a first-time viewer, and you know I'm a adult man, so I've I've handled a lot in my life, but it just kind of like flows like whoa, and mm-hmm. you just this this thing and this thing and this thing and on to the next place, and it's so creative that it at times I was annoyed by it. I was like, this is annoying. I I think I said to my brother like, this movie sucks. I think I said that. So I did. Weird. I was like, but like by the time I got to the end of it, and I think about it now, and what. I appreciate about Terry Gilliam as a director and creator of artwork and all that goes into that and all the characters that are in it, even though I had some issues with it, I I think I, I have to leave the show saying that it holds up. I do because it is a unique experience and it also is, like you guys have said a few times, very much of the era and I think those... That's what makes film even more unique than almost anything else is that it, it takes you to a time and place and not just show you a frozen still or a sound. Mm. It can show you sound and moving pictures and people's mannerisms. There's so many things you could take away from a movie that gives you the most that you could get out of an era. And, mm. you know, it's not, it's not perfect. No movie really is perfect, so it really goes without saying, I suppose. But it's, it holds up. It's, a, it's an interesting film that I would like to revisit again. All
2: right. Yeah, I mean, if you're watching the live stream, just look look behind Mike. We got this little boy, like it's like a pig head creature. Uh, it, it's 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 so different, man. Like even all this time later, and this precedes shit like Labyrinth and the the wealth of Spielbergian stuff that was going to be coming our way. Uh, it really was, no pun intended, but a- a- ahead of its time. And there's, there's so many influences in here. Your your head will spin, man. Like, um, it's it, it it's there's uh George Millier, Fritz Lang is in there, Grimm's for sure, uh, talking about darker fairy tales for a change, and Tolkien, Lewis Carroll. It's just this amalgam in in its in it and it's not um clunky for me it's not disjointed it's just fun um it, it, that first time i viewed it man i i was exhausted i was overwhelmed uh and that that can be a good thing because in anything that's revolutionary or new you're not really going to know what to make of it and you might even dismiss it but it it's something that almost certainly will be appreciated over time the the entire film it's like it's like a um minstrel show, like that puppet show when they're in in Italy earlier in the movie. I mean, it's like it's like it's like a uh the whole film is kind of like this very fucking bizarre like puppet show uh, so imaginative, um, a lot to say in not a, like a um overbearing way about technology, consumerism, okay, um, familial neglect. There's themes here, um, and it, it definitely held up for me, man. I, I'm so glad I returned to it because it, it holds up, man. It's fucking awesome.
3: Man, I'm glad you watched it twice, too. That would have been yeah. awkward if uh, mm-hmm. you hated it. It happens. I've, I've hated it, movies that we've watched, but it's always nicer when you guys like the ones I pick on a completely <laughs> ego trip reason. But <laughs> I like right. it when you like the movies I like.
0: Hey, good for you, Travis! Look at that—it's your I big win. day on the Cinnamon Nine podcast. I feel valid, so there dude. it is. Yeah, hey, you are validation, do you, boyo? All right, <laughs> so there it is. Time Bandits <laughs> in the can. Thank you for Travis for selecting that film. It was, I'm glad I got to see a new film. It's always that's two straight new ones. Maybe it was three straight. I don't know what the third one. Uh, Roger was. Rabbit. Oh yeah, I I picked that one. Uh, but yeah, it's two new ones for me. Eric Brancham, it's now your turn. Where are you taking us next in our time bandit oh, adventure? Man. We're the time bandits of film. You know, we're, we're just moving around through all eras. Taking Polaroids of uh, uh, the same thing over and over again, despite
3: the fact that you're <laughs> traveling through time and only have so much film? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep.
2: Oh, fuck. Uh, oh, okay. A lot of pressure. Pressure. Well, should I take? I could take a big risk here, or I could play it safe. What, Obviously, what are we it's
0: a big risk. It's a big risk. Fuck it,
2: Mike. You don't seem confident.
0: I'm always ready. I'm never afraid. Let's do it.
2: We're gonna do our first documentary uh, film, but awesome. it won't be uh, it won't be like a drag. It's a fun documentary, one that I fucking loved when it came out, and I've been wanting to revisit it for a long time. Uh, from 2007, uh, the King of Kong, a fistful of quarters.
1: Ooh,
2: never seen it. Never seen it. Oh, dude, this uh, uh, this is uh, this should be something. This uh, should g- should garner some interesting conversations. I think we'll have a lot of fun.
0: I didn't know. Did we ever make a ruling on documentaries? Not that we, we didn't or did. We did not. Is that We've film goes? Uh, yeah, it's a film. We, of course,
3: it's a film. <laughs> Shot on film. I remember this movie coming out. It was a big deal. I'm yeah. glad to finally have a. You know, be, be goaded into watching it, I guess.
2: Yeah. I'm, it's funny I, you say that. I think we saw this together. No, I've never seen it. But boy,
0: 100% Here I we go. Were,
2: okay. Well, le-
0: hey, what was the memory? Do you, what's the alleged memory? Do you recall?
2: We watched this when... Uh, we watched The Wicker Man at my apartment in Whitmore Lake. We got all that candy and pop. We watched The Wicker Man, then we watched this. Maybe you had to jet I think out. I, I think
3: Wicker I, Man. I think I left or went to bed or something. Okay, I, I, all right. God damn
2: it! You can go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> all, right. all right, all right. That's it though. Should be, uh, should be interesting. The King of Kong, fistful of quarters. If you like video games, if you like yeah. real life stories. Uh, see what happens.
0: This is about the guy who like set the whole time record, right? Something like that. Yeah for a while i remember this coming out yeah uh okay cool king of kong it's a risk eric we're proud of you for taking a risk eric don't beat yourself up this is a fine choice nobody's pissed uh look you got to drink that Lacroix in the meantime well yeah someone's this pig is pissed Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, so next week we'll do king of kong uh don't forget we got a patreon it's a live here and if you want to support the show it's in the show notes the link will be there if you listen to the podcast version, you can see it right now by clicking in the show notes right there. Easy to find, uh, very, very low-priced, supportive measure just to start. I know inflation's up, times are tough. We get it, we understand. If you can support the show, great. If not, if you just continue to listen or review the show, that's more than enough. It's okay. But if you feel like we've done a good job and you want to show us that love, then we would love to have your patron love. And we will return that with more patron uh, content, if you will, because the word content has replaced everything ubiquitously mm-hmm. for anything that is created ever. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No argument yeah. here. Okay. Well, for Travis, that's Eric. I'm Michael. Thanks so much for the time. bad. It's episode of the 9 Podcast. We'll see ya.
1: Look.
3: Turn beans into peas.